ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Above the Bar podcast. For each week, we belly up to the bar with a new guest, find out what they do, who they are, and what makes them great. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Alrighty, folks, welcome back to the Above the Bar podcast. It's your host, Sean. You've gotten to see me a lot here lately. We did a Saturday show this past weekend. We did a Wednesday last week. Lots and lots of views, and you might even see us, not this, well, no, not this Saturday, but in two Saturdays, maybe Nathan will pop up and he'll let us know if if there's any news on that front, working on our uh, After the Lights Go Out episodes with professional athletes, talking about uh, life after pro sports. Uh, and if you know, look, folks, if you know a pro athlete, somebody maybe or even division one athlete was in a sport like diving or wrestling or something like that, that there's not a really a transition into a pro environment. Please reach out, reach out to us. But joining us today, a man who needs a couple of introductions just because everybody does, because you wouldn't know who's on the other side of the camera with me if you didn't. Uh, we are buying him a ring light, though. Because <laughs> he's never done this at night. And that's what makes us special is because he doesn't come out at night. He specially came and joined us. You know, he's got degrees. He's helping people through their journeys in life, coaching them through it. He's got a background in something I love, some staffing. So joining us, and I didn't even, normally I ask my guests what city they're in. I didn't even ask him. So I have to tell us here in a minute. But joining us from parts I don't know quite yet. Mr. Mar- and I'm going to butcher Mark's last name because he has one of those names. And y'all know how I am with last names. Mark Aylward. Is it Aylward? 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 It's it, Aylward like it were spelled A-L-E. Aylward. Aylward. Yeah. Hey, Sean. See, there you go. There's your cheers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, there's Nate. Nate, are we doing a show on the 30th? The audience wants to know. But. Mark, I appreciate you coming out, bud. We're going to be talking about, you know, he's got a program helping people, uh, coaching them through it as we're going through this. Uh, some life coaching, some personal coaching. You can find some more information for him on sevenpillarsglobal.com. But let's go ahead and get in, get some house cleaning done here real quick. As always, folks, if you're watching the live video, it's over my right shoulder. We got the big board for sticker and a cause. If you got something you're supporting, something you believe in, Maybe you have your own coaching program. You have something else going on. Whatever it happens to be, you can reach out to me on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn, even our email. It's all the above the bar podcast. Let me know what you got going on. I'll give you the address where to send that sticker to. Send me out the sticker and I'll read about you live here on the air. Uh, And now let's get to our sponsors. Now, you're kind of in a dark area there, Mark. I don't see any windows. You got any windows where you're at, Mark? I got, all... a big, I got big French doors right in front of me that the oh, sun French usually door. the sun usually pours through. Oh, I got so... all kinds of windows around the back. So in so... the daylight, this is actually a good place to shoot. And like I said, I didn't even consider the fact that we were going to do this in the dark. So I just turned all the lights on. <laughs> so so, but you know what? Now that you you say you got all that light coming through, you would probably love to talk to our our sponsors, Budget Blinds of East Greenbush and Budget Blinds of Hudson and Cooksaki, New York. They are been around. Budget blinds have been in business for over thirty years, folks. Thirty years, and the budget blinds of East Greenbush and Hudson and Kuksaki would like to help everyone out. And in the month of October, uh, if you if you refer somebody to them in the month of October, and that person ends up purchasing blinds, they've always been willing to give you a fifty dollar gift card for that, and then or make a donation in your name to wounded warriors but for the month of october during breast cancer awareness month they are actually going to be making donations to the women's veteran alliance it's an organization that helps female veterans with either transitioning out of the service maybe getting on their feet for the first time after time of service or veteran veteran women entrepreneurs who are looking and they're starting a business and they're looking for some additional support somebody like mark to help coach them through things, all that kind of kind of stuff. Uh, I, my buddy Eric Labonte, just like I have everything right now on do not disturb. He forces a message through to be like, dude, I know you're doing your show, but uh, 
I just make smoked salsa. And he has to send me a picture. I'm like, this is this is how th- like a bunch of food food crackheads around here. But make sure you reach out to Budget Blinds of East Greenbush or Budget Blinds of Hudson and Cooksaki, New York. They're still running their 25% off sale this month. So reach out and they will help you to get your window covering because they have they have some type of window treatment for every budget. Look at that. See, there he is. He's he's a pretty good cook. So all right, Mark. The bar is open. We're all here. How are you, good sir? I'm well, Sean, and thanks for having me. It's that's uh, I get a great vibe. I love the background. I love the the, the user experience already, and uh, I like the tone. So well, I appreciate uh, you. And by well, the I, way, I, I'm I'm, a, I'm in Orlando, Florida. By the way, oh, oh, you you know. You, you're da- you're down there with all the snowbirds. They should all start flocking in any day now. I know, and you'll love this even more because you're from New York. I, I'm originally from Boston. Oh, look at that. <laughs> well, see, I'm from Baltimore originally, so oh, I don't know. Okay. I'm okay. a Baltimore guy. So, uh, and I have to tell everyone, Mark is the first person to ever pick up that Ernest Hemingway is the picture over the bar. Nobody else ever picks up on this. He's the first person to ever go, wow, you got Hemingway over the bar. Absolutely. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Well, given yeah. given given his proclivities, maybe that's a double-edged sword, right? That I know yeah. him. <laughs> I mean, he he knew how to he knew how to put him down. He I think did. it was Hemingway. Uh was he the one that was big Key West guy? Mm-hmm. I think it was Hemingway was big Key West yeah. guy. Big bounty so we hunter, were, big drinker. Yes. Yeah. We were de- we were down um in I was down in Key West, completely sidebar here for a moment. And there's a bar called um, Smoking Joe's or Smoky Joe's or something like that. Mm. And this place claims that um, it was the bar that Hemingway went to. Like huh. this was the this was the spot. They have a stool there that they say, "Well, well, this is where he used to hang out at the whole nine yards." That's cool. I mean, it's. I, I mean, Key West is just a cool place. I yeah. mean, I. I love me some Key West, but we're not here to talk about Key West. We're here to talk about what Mark's got going on. So let me make sure I got your background right, Mark, because mm-hmm. I'll probably I'm pretty good at jacking these things up. So make sure you can fix me if I do. Sure. So 30 years working with people, helping them through situations. Mm-hmm. You've got your bachelor's in marketing from Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. You've got uh, you did. You have to tell me what a certificate of excellence is, but you did that for you with UCF. Down it's an entrepreneurship course. Okay, so it's like a course in entrepreneurship. Yeah, eight weeks, and you give a presentation at the end, and it's pass fail, and you get a certificate of excellence in entrepreneurship. And, and Eric, if you're sticking around, because Eric worked with me at my last position, uh, he founded and sold two staffing companies there. So you might get a little bit of little bit of inside knowledge here. So did I, did I hit everything? What did I miss? Yeah. I mean, professionally, uh, I've recently transitioned into coaching. I'm not doing uh, placement, uh, transactional placement anymore because when I helped my three adult kids a few years back get work and then start their own companies, they all three came back to me and said, you know, dad, I don't think you're aware that you have a lot of information that you need to get in front of a lot more people because you got us jobs like nobody's business. You helped us start companies like it was easy. And uh, I don't think you give yourself enough credit. So I started to think, what would that look like? And I'm in the I'm in the process of developing some coursework, and I'm doing trading time for money right now. But it's a couple hours with me if you're confused about what to do next professionally, and I can significantly change your outlook and uh, your plan. So I want to, but I want to start with your career for a minute. You know, I, I want to get into that, but. I'm a junkie for recruiting. I I still think from from a financial standpoint, being a recruiter, if you're good at it, is the most addictive drug in the world. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing like the high of placing someone in a in a career that they can, you know, can change their lives. Mm-hmm. And Eric and I worked in a field where you weren't changing many lives anytime, any, any form of recruiting where I got to call you at six o'clock in the morning and make sure you got up to go to work. Mm-hmm. That wasn't, 
but then I was doing direct hire and that's a different world. You know, that that's mm-hmm. like, and so what got you into that world? I'm curious. Cause that's not, that's like for a lot of people, I was just recently talking to somebody about sales. Like that world is either you're forced into that kind of environment because you feel like you have no other choice or you're like me. And I just love, I love anything sales related. I love sales training. I enjoy it. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting story. I didn't really even know what recruiting was. I was 26 years old and, and my girlfriend uh, got pregnant and uh, I stepped up to the father role um, with boots on and said, okay, we gotta, we gotta raise the bar. No pun intended. And um, so I went and among other things, I visited uh, my folks and they had a couple guests over and one of them, was my mother's best friend. And she had just remarried this Australian guy and over a glass of wine, I said, you know, I'm, I'm seeking my purpose right now and I'm a bit lost and I, I got a sense of urgency. Do you mind if I ask, what do you do? And he said, yeah, I'm a, a recruiter for petrochemical engineers in Saudi Arabia. And I thought, well, we're going to have to unpack that. <laughs> but, uh, that's, that's a loaded phrase. I said, well, what do you do? He said, well, I've, I, on behalf of the Saudi Arabian oil companies, I go out into the world and I find specifically talented petrochemical engineers and I put them in front of these companies and present them with offers if things work out. And the reason Saudi Arabia recruiting is a bit different, it's very, very unique because petrochemical engineers are very specific. And Saudi Arabia, if you're not from there, you probably don't want to live there for a long period of time. It's a very you can imagine that's not yeah. It's, it's, it's a challenging place for, for cultural reasons, weather reasons, all kinds of stuff. So they sign people up to three-year contracts, and they give them uh, a house fully furnished, and they give them a car and some other incidental benefits, and they pay them like three or four times what they pay petrochemical engineers here in the states. So it's a rich package. And I said, so how do you get paid? And he said, it's a percentage of their starting salary. I said, so what's an average fee? per transaction. He said, it's about a hundred grand. And I thought to myself, I think I like the sound of this recruiting stuff. So <laughs> I, I, uh, and I, didn't, I thought companies hired their own people. And then I was introduced to this whole world of agency recruitment. I got lucky and got stuck under a guy in a software engineering group. The company hired me my, in my first interview on the spot. And um, I started learning how to recruit. And we recruited for software engineers inside of the 128 belt in Boston. So really focused and inside of that 128 belt you probably know are some of the best universities in the world oh absolutely and so the talent pool there is rich um but it was 1987 88 so stockbrokers are jumping out of windows and stuff there were no jobs and so we had to find the best software engineers in boston and proactively take them out and say do you want to upgrade your staff i got the best guy in cambridge you know very unique way of learning the business and i and i I look back on it and I'm grateful because if you can do that, you can do anything in recruiting, you know? So that's how it started. And I just found myself as the middleman and the negotiator. You know, I've always been the media. I'm a middle child. I was the captain of all the teams. I was captain of all the teams I played on. I was kind of a, a young leader. And I really love this idea that you alluded to earlier, Sean, you know, you're, you're changing someone's life. I remember the first guy I got a job for, and he was an electrical engineer with three kids, single dad. And he was about to lose his home. And um, I got him a job. And I tell you, my feet were off the ground. I was floating for for about a half a day after that. I thought, this is cool. Yeah, this is cool. That's how it began. Now, I got to look, folks. Recruiting is, it is, it's the most rewarding. It's a different animal. You are, uh, you are rabbi. You are uh, father. You are mother you are the bully even mm-hmm. you know you've got to be everything to everyone regardless of who you're talking to uh if you want to make a lot of money though i see i know the first time i knew about it i had a kid i put in the marine corps when i was recruiting there mm-hmm. and his mother was the one in it she was like oh i do executive recruiting i'm like well what's that mm-hmm. she goes i go out and find executives for companies <clears throat> I take them to lunch. I take them to dinner. We go out and we do stuff. And then uh, I find new companies for them to work for. And I was like, very similar. I was like, well, how do you get paid? Well, I make 10% of their first year salary. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Well, I don't know what that is. I'm, I'm a young, young Sergeant in the Marine Corps. Mm -hmm. I was probably at that time making shit, 27, 28,000 a year. And I was like, I'm a rock star right now. Yeah. Um, and she's like, yeah, they make about 250,000 a year at the low end. And I get 25,000 off of that. And I'm like, you fucking serious. (laughs) I'm, I'm putting kids in the Marine Corps fighting tooth or nail, trying to teach them how to how to spell their own name. Some days it feels like, and you're getting 25 K for these guys. I can do that. Yeah. Yeah. And then Eric just said, my first placement is still in the same company going on five years. He's no electrical engineer, but he's still thankful for me helping. It's true. Now, Eric, but Eric, like I kid you not, Eric is dealing with, you know, entry level, you know, Every so often, maybe something a little higher, but he's dealing with like manufacturers and in, in, in plants mm-hmm. in, in a city that you could swing a dead cat and hit somebody that was employed by them. Yeah, like he's yeah. he's in that world. But so so you're doing this for other people and you already talked about your your sons. How many sons do you have? Two, three, uh, four, two, two daughters and one son. So two daughters, one son. But you've you've helped them to start companies. What was your catalyst, though, that you said, hey, I'm done working for other people? Because mm-hmm. I think this is a big part of what you do. And a lot of people don't understand this. It is a big transition to go from slave to a paycheck and turn around and go, yeah, I'm just going to piss caution to the wind because I think I'm smarter, smartest guy in the room. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, again, there was some circumstance there and there was some some innate, I, I, in my experience, you know, 35 years of being real close to starting companies and getting jobs and getting promotions and all that career development space. Um, I think I was kind of destined for this. I, I think that this, this was something that I was meant to do. So, um, but I worked for a guy when I, when I, finished my three years with the first company I went to work for in New Hampshire. Then I went to work for a guy who I was introduced to, who I almost immediately identified as my mentor. And he said, I want to open up a company in Florida and I want you to help me do it. And I thought, you know, Florida sounds pretty nice. I'm getting, I'm getting all this out of wedlock, having a kid, Irish Catholic noise. And I'm like, let's, 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 let's start, let's start fresh. Let's go let's go where not everybody has an opinion on what I've done and what I'm about to do. And then we'll stay in touch and I'll come visit, but I got to go start my own life for my family. And so that was, the timing was perfect. And I interviewed with this guy and he ended up saying, I'll give you a thousand dollars, hop in your car, pack it up, move down there, find a place to stay. And uh, near the office, here's the address of the office and start as soon as you can. And I already had three years of experience. So I, I kind of knew what I was doing. I wasn't green. And um, we, I worked his permanent placement firm up for about a year or so. And then he came to me one day and he said, um, you want to help me start a consulting firm? And I said, well, if you tell me what a consulting firm is, sure. And he <laughs> told me, you know, and it's basically placing people, but they're your employees and you're putting them out on projects and you're marking their hourly wage up. And so you get a margin per hour. Now we're talking passive residual income that's got a receivable on it. So the value of this company is much greater than a permanent placement company. And he said, I'll give you you know, a percentage of ownership. I'll fund the whole thing. I'll pay you, but you have to do all the work and I will tell you exactly what the, what the work is. And I said, that sounds like a good trade-off to me. So I, I proceeded in four years to get what probably was a, the equivalent of two MBAs uh, while making six figures plus. And then he cut me a big fat check when he sold the company. So the, him selling the company, leaving me in the position of now I'm the manager of this particular division of the acquiring company. I tell you, Sean, it wasn't three months before I said, fuck this. I'm not working for anybody else. You know, I, I particularly people that aren't even as smart as I am, you know. And so the experience I had with him and then the, the circumstance of working for someone else, having worked for this guy. Now I know I know this guy's brilliant because the guy I'm working for now is an idiot, you know. <laughs> and, so, and so I uh, I looked at my buddy who was working for this guy up in Boston and he'd sold the company up there. And my, I said, uh, let's let's throw throw down, man. Let's start. And uh People ask me, how'd you know? I just did. I just knew I was ready. I wasn't, my kids ask me all the time, were you scared? 
I'm like, nah, I don't remember being scared at all. I remember being really excited. And I think that speaks to the, the valuable mentorship that I got from this guy. He didn't just prepare me for my next job. He prepared me the first, the ability to start my own company. And I got enough support from the people around me that I was able to do it. And I put in 15 grand, my buddy put in 15 grand and we never put in another dime. And That's uh, awesome. yeah, we got it up to about 12 million in about 10 years. And, uh, and then the next story is my contentious divorce, which burned that house down. <laughs> don't, don't they always, don't they always, yeah. what's, well, it's interesting to hear, hear you talk about that. Another guy from, uh, my recruiting days just popped up, uh, Shane, he, he's another phenomenal, uh, talent at what he does, but it's interesting to me because, um, you talk about like, you just knew that it was time, time to make that move because, my wife recently asked me, she was, well, did you wish you have started your own company sooner? And I said, no. She goes, well, what do you mean? And I kind of, we went through when I retired from the Marine Corps, from my time there and the three jobs I had after that and how I was like, I needed each one of these as a building block to understand what I'm looking at today. Like you mentioned margins. Mm-hmm. I promise you 90% of employees do not know what their company's margins are, do not know how margins work, do not understand how valuable margins are to them. I was negotiating margins mm-hmm. and and putting those things out. And that, for what I do today, really helped me as a, as a, as an owner to be able to say, I understand better now, am I or am I not? making making a wage for myself to build my company bigger yeah it's huge yeah Yeah. it's it's um margins and um cash flow you know it's um the i remember learning early on you'd call a, a large company and we did business with large and small we were in the software space and so the guys that we placed were worth you know 200,000 300,000 150 an hour that kind of thing and um and I learned very early uh, from my mentor. He's like, what are they telling you that the payment terms are? And they say they want to pay us in 90 days. He said, say no. Say we need to be paid immediately upon receipt. We're a small company and we can't hang out there for 90 days. And, 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 and we, we need to send you weekly invoices. And if you couldn't get that done with the chief financial officer or the chief operations officer, there was always a young lady in accounts payable. And she didn't, <laughs> and she didn't, give, a sh- she didn't give a shit about policy or procedure and nobody watched over her anyway. So I would say to her, Hey, I'm going to be the one sending the invoice. Are you going to be the one receiving the invoice? And she'd say yes. Or she'd say, no, you got to call so-and-so. And And I'd call so-and-so and and I'd make best friends with so-and-so. And And I'd say, would you do me a favor? I got some pressure from the boss. We're a small company. We're just starting out. Anyway, I can send weekly invoices and you can pay us upon receipt. She goes, sure. Let me just key up in the system. So everyone else that's playing with these guys is doing 90 days and I'm doing one week, you know, and then then you turn around to the consultants in in fair game and say, I want to pay you biweekly every two weeks. So now I'm, collecting, now I'm collecting my money before I'm paying my consultants. I mean, it's magical if you can do it. It's so simple, you know, just ask, just ask, just ask. I don't want to give away too many secrets because I, I have my own business, but I, I, I know so many people in that industry. Well, I'm not in that industry, so I'll give away secrets. I, I know so many people in that industry that are, they're constantly trying to tiptoe around the money side to it. Yeah. And you're, I was always like, no, give me my money. Yeah. Like I did the work for you. Go get me paid. Well, you know, they've got some wells where I get my water. Go get my money. Yeah, and I learned yeah. that from from a good friend of mine, Norm, who uh, was a CFO for Fox TV in Philly for a while, and he's he's down in New Orleans now. He's my accountant, mm-hmm. and I'll never forget. I was young. You'll appreciate this, Mark. And we're gonna go get forward into your stuff, but I think you'll appreciate it. I was probably like twenty seven year old again, young Marine, mm-hmm. and we were we trained in Aikido together. And we're at the dojo, and we're talking about something, and uh, he goes, Murph. Let me tell you something. He said, your father can die today. If your bills ain't paid in the business world, don't nobody give a shit. And I went, 
And I was like, he had never talked to me like this. Like I, I, we trained together. We, yeah. I choked him out before all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And um, he said this to me, he goes, but the minute your bills pay, they'll tell you, sorry for your loss. Mm-hmm. And it's brother. That was told to me in 2001, 2002 timeframe. Yeah. yeah. Post nine 11. I know that. And it is stuck with me ever since then. This mindset of don't tell me your problems. Mm-hmm. Pay me my money. Yeah, no, I hear you. It makes me think of a story in the in the dot com bubble. We were dealing with all these startup software companies, and it was it was tenuous. And I had a relationship with this chief financial officer. His name was Joe. I'll leave his last name out of it. We had a great relationship, and we were transparent with one another. He's like, no, their product was excellent, and they had some distribution and shipping issues, and they, you know, there was there was hope. Whereas there were a lot of companies at that point in time, they were just falling over. There was hope here still. And I remember calling him up. He owed us 150 grand, which in the grand scheme of things, maybe it's not a lot of money to some, but for me at the time, it was a lot of oh, money. Yeah. And, um, and I called him up at home on Christmas Eve. And I said, Joe, I'm getting ready to, to, to knock back a few and punch out for the day. I just got to ask you something man to man. Can I ask you something man to man? He goes, sure, Mark. I said, am I going to get my fucking money? <laughs> and he said, yes, you are. And I said, Merry Christmas, Joe. Talk to you next week. You know, I got a, I got a million stories like that. <laughs> but I, but you know what, Mark, that those stories are what feeds us into, you know, and again, folks, if you're listening, if you're just tuning into Mark and I, it's seven pillars, global.com. And it's just like, it sounds the number seven pillars, P I L L A R S global.com. You know, Mark has a very, a background that I love to talk to people about because I think we also, you know, no different than Marines. I think Marines make great leaders. We make great, you know, if you, if you've ever read rich dad, poor dad, guess what? Robert Kiyosaki was in Vietnam as a pilot. And he tells you the only reason he joined the Marine Corps was to learn leadership skills. Yeah. Yeah. And he moved on from there. So you sell the, now this one that we were talking about, you, you had the divorce that shit will burn. I don't care what you got. That shit will burn everything to the ground. Yeah. Yeah. It always does. We, yeah, we lose every time. I don't yeah. care what you built. Yeah. It's uh well, that's, you know, that's, that's a compelling story that in hindsight, I can find a lot of humor in. Uh, I came out with my sense of humor and great relationships with my three kids and I got custody of them as my own attorney and I'm not an attorney. So that'll tell you how screwed up that circumstance was. And uh, learned a lot, gained a good bit of humility, which I think is a wonderful trait. And, uh, you know, when you're 27 year old, a Marine, humility is not one of the things you're looking for. You learn that later. <laughs> I didn't have any of it. None. Zero. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, after he sold the company and I found out I didn't want to go to work for somebody, I did that thing with my friend and we rock and rolled for quite some time. And another interesting story there was when we hit 10 million and I think 10 million is kind of a figure, no matter what the business, it became a different business. We had been, we had been selling and recruiting and building relationships, but on the back end, cash flow reporting, P and L's balance sheets, accounting, we didn't have that buttoned up and we were also trying to serve too many different markets and we brought a consultant in. I remember we paid him 10 grand a month and both of my partners are like, we're going to give a guy 10 grand a month and he's not selling anything. That's scary, man. And he saved us and he did two things. Stop trying to be everything to everybody. Pick a, pick your spot and be the expert, be the best, charge the most. And you got to get, you got to know when your money's coming in and where it's coming from. You can't just rely on generating revenue. And that's when the, the economy was slowing down and people were hanging on to their money for longer periods of time. So he came in just at the right time. And I learned from that experience too, that you gotta, you gotta get help from other people. Nobody can do this shit alone. You know, you need support. You need a good partner. You need a good coach. You need a good wife. You need, you need support. You can't do it alone. You know? Well, that kind of feed, you know, and I think that feeds right into where you are today. So, you, you go from and you, you know, I'm a firm believer in. And it's so funny to me, I, I just recently heard this. People are willing to tip a, a waiter or a waitress, <clears throat> regardless of how good or bad they are, 
at least 18%. Mm-hmm. But you'll get upset for paying your broker a 3% fee. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Your broker is going to make you money. A guy like Mark, if you listen to what he has to say, is going to put your life on a path and and put you towards making money. But you'll pay the barista at Starbucks on a $5 coffee. You'll give her a $3 tip. Well, guess what, folks? Do the math. You definitely over tipped that motherfucker. You know, so. you, it's you, you got to look at you, you kind of have to look at things in context. You have to understand all the moving parts. I, I, you know, both of my daughters had made the decision to to buy coaching expertise um, to the tune of like five, ten, fifteen grand, okay. and uh, like a significant investment. And they st- the struggle of should I or shouldn't I was I was in it with them. And I'm like, I'm not going to tell you whether you should or shouldn't, but I think that you're both pretty smart. And if you think that you should, you probably should. And I got to tell you, Sean, both of them, but one of them in particular, she cracked six figures a couple months after um, getting that coach. And uh, uh, she's tripled that revenue in the last two years. I mean, she just she hired a coach. She hired a hired coach. coach. She hired okay. a coach. Yeah. I coached them both for a while. And then, you know, it's it, dads can only get you're still dad so you're still dad you know i could be brilliant dad but i'm still dad they want an objective third party and they need an objective third party so the, take the emotion out of it put the objectivity into it but i believe in coaching and that's why when people say to me i can't afford it i'm like well i i guess i haven't explained it well enough because the earning power that i can give you the opportunities that i can introduce you to the confidence that i can bring to your professional game with information and answers to questions, um, it, it'll astound you, you know. And, and and if you're if you're stuck, then you're probably what are the emotions? Fearful, anxious, re- resentful, um, nervous, scared. They're all the negative emotions. What if I can take all those emotions in like a matter of hours? To confident, competent, s- uh, specific plan of action, hopeful. I mean, it's it's night and day. You know, it's hundred percent. Yeah. And, and you know what it, it listening, I, I, I'm a big listener to books because I spend a lot of time in my van, uh, going and seeing clients, but you know, you, if you, there's, I love this book, uh, the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Have you read that book yet? No, but I've heard of it. Yeah. Great book. But yeah. he talks about, he gets very into the emotional brain versus the intellectual brain and everything you're talking about is people using their emotional brain, mm-hmm. which controls 90% of our lives instead mm-hmm. of their intellectual brain. Cause if I told you intellectually, Hey, I've got someone who can <clears throat> get you promoted, increase your, your income, show you how to move to a new position. And uh, for the most part, make your life more comfortable as a person, intellectually, you would say, well, yeah, I want that. Mm-hmm. You know, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But when I say it, and this isn't folks, this is not what Mark calls. I'm just throwing out a number, just <laughs> throw a number out. Please don't be like, Hey, this, this dude's like way out of his mind. But if I said you, Hey, but this is going to cost you a hundred thousand dollars to do this. Well, emotionally like a lot of money. I don't know if I can handle that. I mean, you will zip yourself up emotionally yep. Yeah, but never take a second to go. Well, well, how long do I have to pay that? Well, mm-hmm. well, no, it's it's a hundred thousand dollars over the next hundred years. Mm-hmm. Well, that's nothing. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 what's your so to to get into what you're doing then, Mark? So, I mean, you've coached your kids. You you have a very close relationship with your children. Mm-hmm. As a dad, this is from from a, a dad of a divorce household who I would wish all my kids live with me. This is for you. Mm-hmm. Are you, did you ask me a question? No, I just cheer. I played the applause. You can't hear my applause. Oh, I can't hear the applause. I'm like, oh, you can hear the applause. Thank you. I, I gave you applause there. Thank but, you. Thank you. You know, but it's, it's a, it's a huge thing. So what is your process? What makes the, the Mark process different than, me going and talking to Cleo online and and finding out my fortune. What 
what makes you unique in what you're doing? Yeah, it's a good question, Sean. I think about it all the time. And the more that I talk to people, I, I recently went out to, I don't know, 10 or 15 guys that I've worked with before, gals that I've worked with before that, that have been customers or employees or colleagues of mine. They've been connected to the money in some capacity. It wasn't just a platonic relationship. Um, and I said, can you tell me, like, send me an email, just take five minutes and say, if I asked you, what do you think my superpower is? And um, it was a very interesting exercise. I was re I recommended to do it by somebody. I don't remember who it was, but I was astounded by the response. I wasn't surprised because it made sense to me. But the thread was the way I communicate, right? You are, you are a thoughtful community. And then the, all the adjectives to describe how I communicate, articulate, thoughtful, empathetic, not condescending, clear, concise, um, kind. It was, it was like, and then the, the other thread through the emotions was empathy. You, you listen so well and you, and it's so clear that you give a shit. You're not just playing me. You're not just talking to me to appease me. You actually care and you can hear me. And I think I'm doing that in a sea of transactional mediocrity. So it stands out, you know, that's what that's a, as I've been contemplating that question for now a few years. That's what comes out when I when I'm asked that question. So if that makes sense. It, it does make sense. And, and I wonder from, from an exercise standpoint, I wonder, you know, Eric, if you're still still watching or or Shane, I would love anyone who's got a profession like that. I know there's a few people watching us right now. Uh, I would love to hear some feedback from them, what they think others would say about them or for them to try it, you know, when they get to work tomorrow, like, hey, I'm working on, on me. Uh, you know, just reach out to like three to four of your coworkers and just say, hey, do you think I got a superpower? And if so, could you just tell me what it is? I'm, I'm working on myself Yeah, just to get a, that a, feedback. It's a good call, Sean. I think it's a really good exercise. Everybody can benefit from it. And I think that it also gives you language for your copy and your advertising and your marketing, right? It's uh, And it's not coming from you. It's coming from people who worked with you. So it's rather objective. It's not subjective. And the other thing I got a couple people commenting on, I think it's part of the reason because you raised three kids on your own, two of whom were daughters on your own, your empathy comes from there. Your listening skills comes from that. Your, your sensitivity comes from that. And I, you don't know me very well, but I'm, no. if you hung around with me, sensitive is not one of the words you would immediately bring <laughs> to the table, right? It's kind of in my back pocket and it comes out when I need it, but it's not, I'm not advertising it. You know, I'm a big burly, stupid guy, you know? So Sensitivity was kind of funny to hear, but I appreciate it. Mongo wood sandwich. I would yeah. sandwich. <laughs> yeah. No, I understand. Well, well, earlier when you mentioned the uh Irish Catholic Boston, I was gonna ask you if the if the mother of your first of your first child was was a Southie and that's why you had to had to get out of there. No, she was in Charlestown, which is just as just as much was just as much south. That's where all the um you know the movie The Town uh Townies. Ben yeah, Ben Affleck. Yeah. They were. That's where they shot that. That's where all the Irish mobsters lived. And uh, she was born in Dublin, actually. And oh wow, Boston. So she was pure Mick, and uh, I was mostly Mick. And so yeah, yeah. You'll appreciate this story. Uh, I was on recruiting duty and was at my first ever. It's called an eighty-four twelve conference. It's career recruiters in the Marine Corps, mm -hmm. and I'm sitting with my master guns. Uh, one of my mentors, Master Guns MacArthur, and he goes, Gunny, I want to introduce you to, and I might have even been a staff sergeant at the time. I want to introduce you to Master Guns. I don't even remember the guy's name. Mm -hmm. He goes, how you doing, Staff Sergeant Murphy? He goes, what's your full name? I said, Sean Patrick Murphy. He goes, you want to move stations? I'm like, why? He goes, I'm going to put you in South Boston at South <laughs> Boston Station. He goes, kids will walk, the mothers will walk their children into the room when they hear your name and give you their children yeah. and things will fall off of trucks into your office every day. Because, <laughs> I mean, I was much thinner, this hair, you know, and, and he was like, they will walk them into your office and drop. He's like, you want to come work for me? 
And that was the first time I had ever heard that. I'm like, also yeah. a different animal completely. It, it, it is, but the Irish are too. Because when I went to school at Notre Dame, I worked ended up working in Chicago, which is like an hour and 15 minute drive. I did all my interview in there. And there's a huge Irish population in Chicago. I, I mentioned, I was asked where I went to school a few times. I remember renting a car. And they were out of the car that I wanted, and I couldn't afford the one that was uh, a two grades up at the time. And um, I can't remember how it came up, but the guy asked me, well, well, where'd you just graduate from? I said, Notre Dame. He goes, hang on a second. He goes and gets me, a, <laughs> he goes and gets me the two upgrades and, and just washes it off the books, you know? And I, I had people offering me jobs, Irish people in Chicago, in accounting. I was a marketing major. They didn't care. They just wanted no. They wanted more Notre Dame people. So oh, that the, the Boston connection, the Irish connection, um, it's strong and it's it's unique and it's often fucking hilarious. You know. All right, left turn question for you: How did you feel when the College Football Hall of Fame moved from South Bend to Atlanta? Did you give me uh, any thought? Yeah, I didn't respond to that at all. My my challenge with them is they can't seem to win anything on a consistent basis and um, they're doing some things that aren't necessarily Catholic. And, uh, but I, I, that didn't bug me. That didn't really rock my world. Say I, I, I was, I've been to, I was in the hall of fame in South Bend. Uh And then I went, I was in Atlanta when they opened the hall of fame in Atlanta. Like I was there that weekend. Yeah. So I, I've seen both of them. And personally, I think it needs to go back to South Bend. You know, Not that it was a bad building or anything, yeah, but yeah. I don't see Atlanta. I mean, Georgia Tech's amazing. If you've never been to, over that campus, it's an amazing campus. Yeah. It's next to Varsity, which is my favorite fast food in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not – like I don't see Atlanta and think college football. Yeah, Notre Dame has a, a, a mysticism about it, a tradition about it. It's a, it's a really cool place, and it's – all. You know, all South Bend, Indiana is, is Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing else there, you know, not a, and, and I just, thing. I just saw a picture, a recent picture of some of the projected building that's going into this $90 million construction effort or whatever. And the place is looking spectacular and I haven't been back in a while, but you can't step on that campus and not get a little chill. Oh, absolutely. I mean, who hasn't watched Rudy and just been like, I need to go to, I should go to Notre Dame. Yeah, but yeah. but I we follow uh they're called Wake Up Sports Podcast uh, buddies over there, <clears throat> and then we were talking about the fact that Notre Dame's still an independent, and they were like, oh, they should join a conference. Notre Dame will never join a conference mm. as long as NBC Notre Dame Broadcasting Channel exists <laughs> and it's going to pay them an absolutely ridiculous amount of money for mm-hmm. every Irish Catholic to root for Notre Dame. It, they ain't never going nowhere. Not yeah, at it, all. D- yeah, it doesn't appear that that they will. And maybe they shouldn't, you know, maybe they shouldn't. It's kind of a, it's a cool thing to be that unique. It, I agree with you. So, I mean, I didn't mean to make a left turn there. I was just thinking about Notre Dame and South Bend. No, no uh, sweat. Love talking about Notre Dame. Have you ever been to Goshen, Indiana? Probably. Probably. talk about a scary place. They boast that the Amish there can trace their roots back to the original 100 settlers wow but guess what that gene pool's super shallow <laughs> super shallow you you can see it when you're there it's real but it's also some of the best food i ever had the yeah. best uh chicken a la king or chicken and biscuits whatever you want to call it that i ever mm-hmm. had was in a restaurant in goshen indiana yeah. and it was an amish restaurant which i thought was very interesting they're an interesting wow. people the amish they yeah. sure are I watched a thing the other day where an Amish girl was using a uh, an electric lantern, and the guy was like, "That's electricity. How are you able to use that?" She goes, "No wire. It's it's battery powered." <laughs> he was like, "Ain't you some shit?" But I digress because we're getting close to, to the end here. So so people are able to contact you, Mark, again through the number seven pillars pillarsglobal.com. dot com. Mm-hmm. But what is you know? What is your vetting process that people should expect in, in the first step to even determine if if you want to coach them? Yeah, so right now, and I'm, I've got some things in the works and more of an assessment process that is gonna I'm gonna charge for. Right now, I get I 
I present my calendar on my website as well as a number of other places. It's a Calendly link. It's a 30-minute slot. And I ask people, you know, tell me what your biggest challenge is or anything that might be helpful for the call. They jump on my calendar and we do a Zoom call or a phone call for 30 minutes. And I can tell in 10 minutes whether I can help them or not. And then I can tell in 20 or 30 minutes how I can help them. So at the end, what you get, what people get 99 out of 100 times is I can help you or I can't help you. And this is why. And if I can help you, this is what I think that's going to look like. And right now I usually say I charge this amount of money per hour and I don't spend more than two or three hours because I'll spend an hour with somebody, give them all kinds of thinking to do, all kinds of work to do, all kinds of polishing to do and, and inner you know, self-awareness exercises. And then the second hour we go over what they've accomplished and I move them to the next level. Like I said, what do you do? What do you want to do? Why do you want to do it? Let's craft your story. No resumes yet. No tactics yet. Let's let's figure all this shit out. And uh, and if they don't choose to work with me, I usually give them at least a couple of tips, either about their resume or their LinkedIn profile that they can put to use just in good faith. And um, I'd say 50% of the people come back. And then uh, I've had people come back after years. But what I want to be offering people is the product that I have in the works, which is a six-week coaching program that's a few grand and it's much deeper with supplemented with workbooks and workshops. And we have a community. It's pretty classic online learning experience, but real deep dive. And, uh, and I'm also getting some people reaching out to, to, to see if I do any leadership training. The first guy that asked me, because I write a lot on LinkedIn and my writing is getting better and I'm trying to get more authentic and funnier and more interesting. And I'm getting a lot of traction on that. And I, I had two people reach out to me yesterday leaders in, in, in the IT space asking me about leadership training and I'm in negotiation with one. So I said, you know, full transparency, I don't have a course yet, but I got 30 years of experience up here. I've been teaching leaders for 30 years. So that was fun because when he got, he got on the phone with me, he goes, man, I feel like I know you. I've been watching your videos and reading your stuff for the last three months. I'm like, well, that's cool. That cake is half baked. Let's go. <laughs> Well, I, I, I love the fact that you're you're willing to tell people no. Yeah. No, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna coach you. I I just I can't, you know, for whatever that that particular reasoning is. And I think that's a a hard line that a lot of coaches aren't willing to take. They're like, Yeah, hey, sure, I'll go ahead and coach you. Come on over. Yeah. And it just yeah. moves that industry. You do well, a lot do you, do you do a lot of networking, Mark, like networking events like Virtual don't networking. Do, don't don't do events. Don't do events. I, uh, you know, after thirty years, Sean, I got a lot of people that I can reach out to that can put me that plug me into their networks again. Um, you know, when I was doing beta testing on this course that I'm in the middle of, I got ten guys on the phone, ten people on the phone. That all I did was say, I, I want your opinion on this. Absolutely, just send me an invite, and you know, I got That's ten awesome. ten pieces of feedback. So. I did a lot of networking. I certainly have spent a lot of time reaching out to a lot of different people, but I've, I've got a pretty solid network now. And um, I'm not even leveraging LinkedIn to the extent that I could. So that's in the works as well. I got it, a few just, thousand followers on LinkedIn. It just feels like um, during COVID, the coaches were the, uh, you go to these networking things and the coaches had become the new um uh, not real estate agents, but financial planners. You, yeah. you know what I'm talking about? Like they like you go to any of those networking events, just like, hey, here's my card. I can go ahead and invest your money for you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's it's you know, it's interesting, Sean. I think that one of the things I told my kids when they started their businesses, they said, You want to be you know, in demand, you want to have a, a stream a, a constant uh, line of prospects and warm leads. Do exactly what you say you're going to do. And if you can't yeah. do something, don't say that you can. Then you're in the top 5%. I don't care what the profession is. And if you think about that, if that's true of doctors, that's pretty scary. You know? <laughs> ah, your true. liver? Yeah. <laughs> don't worry about it. I think that's, I think that's uh, one of the things that I get feedback on a lot is you, you, you never promised me something you can't deliver. You don't bullshit me. You're authentic. You're transparent. You don't kiss my ass. And uh, yeah, I mean, if somebody wants their ass kissed, I'm the wrong guy. 
I have one. Plug your ears if you have sensitive ears for a moment. I had one of my Marines. It was the greatest line I've ever heard in my life. He went, he was at this this house trying to get this kid to go go to boot camp. And the grandfather was there. He's like, he said something to the grandfather. He's like, You're just trying to kiss my ass, aren't you? He goes, Look, sir, I might kiss a little ass, but no angles suck no dick. So this is the deal. <laughs> and he's like, the kid, everybody was like, here, sign here. Yeah, and they saw because he was like, "I'm not playing games with you." Yeah, that's probably one of the best things. Now I got to ask this question for Nate because this is Nate's question. He always asks this question of all of our guests. I always just have to reframe it a little bit. So you mentioned the ten hitting that ten million dollar mark, mm-hmm. being a ten million dollar business. Was there a celebratory meal for that? No, no, we did celebrate when we sold the company. All right, what was the meal? I got to ask. What was the celebratory meal? I don't. I I, I want to say it was Ruth Chris and a bunch of steaks oh. and uh, hard liquor. So you know what I love from Ruth Chris? Like I, everybody loves Ruth Chris steak. You can't beat their steak. Yeah. But you know what I love? Their asparagus. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Ruth Chris asparagus is freaking amazing. I love the huge sides that you like. Yes. Four, four or five guys can split one, you know, and you get like five or six of them, and everybody gets a steak, and then there's yes. cigars afterwards. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty cool evening. We we just opened our first Ruth Chris here in Smallbany. Mm-hmm. And uh I love Ruth Chris. You yeah. know, see, I'm gonna ask this question because I just gotta ask it real quick. Living in Boston, did you ever go to in the financial district sandwich shop called Owls? Not that I remember. I don't understand this. This is the greatest sandwich shop in all of Boston. I want you yeah. to know this right now. If your oh, kids are still in Boston. There's so many good places for food in Boston, though, dude. You know that, uh, and I would love to know how you got introduced to Al's because I think you probably need to know somebody that makes the recommendation. But if I, I work for I Amtrak, back, what's I work that? for Amtrak. I work for Amtrak, oh, and we pulled oh. into South Station, and oh. it's just up from South Station. Oh yeah, I know where South Station is for sure. Yeah, so much good food there, man. Oh, the- so my dad, my dad still lives there, and my brother lives in Western Mass, but my kids are down here with me. Well, you ask your dad, tell him to go to Al's. It's only open Monday through Friday in the financial district. You get a chicken salad sub with provolone and Italian hots. Nice. It's the best. That's uh, the fat kid in me. So I I am thank to you. I'm now hungry, Sean. You're welcome. (laughs) And you're in Orlando where there's like everything is just Mickey Mouse food. Like that's. It's gotten a lot better. It's gotten a lot better. It really is, has become a real city over the last 10 or 15 years. And our, our, our governor is doing a good job. And it's, uh, it's a nice place to be living right now. It is. It's just all, every time I was in Orlando, I just thought, like, is there anything that's like a legit restaurant, like mom and pop? Or is it all like tourist food just to keep it them used happy? to be? I mean, there's international drive is probably 10 miles away from me. You can't hear anything in my yard. I live in a, a non-traditional <laughs> neighborhood with with old and 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 uh, new homes, and it's quiet and there's lots of birds. And I'm uh, I don't spend any time. I, I think I've been to Disney once in thirty years, and that's when my kids were young, and I, I hated it. You know that that tourist thing does nothing for me. There's a lot more to Orlando than that. Nick, Eric's ready to uh, trade away the. We've got the Joker right now. Yeah, uh, if you ever were to see our governor, she looks like when DC did the ver- did the new fi- did the Flashpoint Joker yeah. as a female, yeah. and every, she looks just like her. Every time she opens her mouth, I just I'm, I'm I'm aghast at how she got that position. I know she kind of jumped into it when the other guy got canned, but uh, Lord Commander Cuomo. Yeah, <laughs> Lord Commander. Fan. Yeah, Jesus. Uh, you, look, you want you want to talk politics? We'll do another show, Sean. We'll do a whole show on that. <laughs> L- like, listen to me. I, I'll be honest. I don't love your yours any more than any of the rest of them. But she, my favorite thing with this with this one is uh, when she goes, I had no idea of the things he was involved in. I did twenty years in the Marine Corps mm-hmm. as a leader. If I didn't know what was going on in my house. My boss would have ate my lunch and I'd have lost my job. Mm-hmm. They'd, have, they'd have fired me and sent me off to go, you know, count count T-shirts somewhere. It would you know, have never those, worked definitely. Those kinds of comments, no matter what, I mean, I, I find them so disingenuous. And then yes. you go from disingenuous to, 
oh, you actually think I'm stupid enough to buy that? Well, fuck Thank you. you. You know, and and it's a leadership thing. It's we total. couldn't do that, and that's and that's you know one of the things that kind of want to wrap this back up into what you're teaching from a coaching standpoint, the accountability side. Real leaders are accountable for their actions and their people's actions. Mm-hmm. I can't just be like, oh, I didn't know he was doing it. It's yep. my fault. Because if no, I did that with my kids, if I was like, oh, I didn't know my kid was setting matches on your on your front porch. My yep. bad. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. That self-accountability thing is what really is missing. And I, I used to tell people that worked for me, you can come into my office anytime. Okay. And it's open door policy, but you just bring me a problem and I'm going to ask you to go back out and and come back with some solutions. We might not use your solutions, but I want to know you put some thought into it and you're just coming in here to put a problem on my back and expect me to fix it. Okay. That's not the way this shit works, you know? And it's, it's one of my favorite qualities. My, one of my insisted upon qualities is self-accountability. Don't, I don't want you blaming anybody. I don't want you blaming anything, even if it is someone else or something else's fault. I don't care. You know, that's not, that's, that doesn't fly. We're almost done here, but I wanted to ask you a question. I, I'm glad you brought that up from a coaching standpoint. Um, how do you, is that something you can even coach is accountability? I used to joke with people that would say stupid things on the sales floor. Give me your parents' phone number. I need to call them up and we need to fix this. You know, some of this stuff is just, <laughs> it, 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 we get so much from our parents, good and bad, so much. And we, it's, we spend a lifetime trying to pick out the bad stuff and get rid of it and, and, and throw the gas on the good stuff. Um, I don't know, Sean, I think he can with some people. I, you know, all this leadership talk I've been having, it's like, are people born leaders? Yes, I believe they are. Can people be taught to be leaders? I think they can be taught to be better leaders, Mm. but I think you have to have some innate leadership qualities. I don't know. It's an interesting discussion. See that I could have a whole conversation on that too. I mean, there's Mark, there's a lot of things we could talk about because I think, I don't think people are, I think people are either thrust in the leadership roles or they desire it and it has to be trained. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, so I don't, I don't believe in the, in the born leader. You might be thrust into a role or you desire it, but you can't be born it because there's a lot of bad Kings in this world. There's a oh, lot yeah. of bad Oh ones. yeah. I, I, I know where you're coming from. A quick story on that. When I was uh, six and I was in little league, my dad was the coach. I wore one of his white t-shirts to practice one day. So I had this big white t-shirt on and I don't, I didn't remember this until he told me, he said, Mark, do you remember that the next day at practice, every other kid on that team wore his father's white t-shirt? That's, they were looking up to you from day one. Oh, wow. And that's so, so I think there's a little bit of everything in that leadership space, but I, I was also taught to be a leader uh, by my so, father. So there was, you, your dad yeah. showed you. And I agree with Shane. You, you can forge that leadership. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You can see it, you can mold it, you can work with it. Look folks, if you're looking for, for Mark and you want to know what he's got going on, first off, he's very active on uh, LinkedIn and, and Mark's last name is spelled A Y L W A R D. I butcher last names, Mark. I'm so bad at it. It's such a, it's always been my vein. Sean, my, everyone, everyone fucks that name up. Everyone. It's like, uh, fuck it up like polio. Um, <laughs> so reach out to Mark. You can also, again, all of his links are on his website. Seven, the number seven pillars, P-I-L-L-A-R-S, global.com. Shane, thanks for hanging out. Eric, Nate, everybody who's been hanging out with this this whole time. Make sure you you give Mark a follow. If you're finding us through Mark or Mark through us, make sure you when you get out there, you give him a follow on everything. Make sure you give us a follow. That follow, that like, that five-star rating that you give us on, on whatever social media, whether it be on YouTube, whether it be going on to Apple or Spotify, wherever you're listening to this at, it matters. It's how the algorithms work. It's how we get found. It's how Mark gets found. It's how Mark can look. He's retired. This is a new career path for him. You need to feed this man. You, if you don't do this, you're allowing, you're causing this man. There are starving podcasters in this world, and you, <laughs> and you need and coaches, and you need to take care of them. But make sure you, you do that for him. And look, you can follow us on anything and everything. We're on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, TikTok, Instagram. Reach out to us. Let us know what you got going on. If you know somebody that you think would be a great guest. 
please reach out and let me know. I'll have no problem in having a conversation with them, letting them know what we have going on. Now, Mark, this is episode like 203, if I'm keeping track of everything. I lose track so much. Nice. But I know you've listened to like all 202 of them. You binged <laughs> it. You sucked it all in. So you had all the knowledge. But to me, this is one of the most important parts of our show, which is at the end of every episode. And don't log off on me after we get done. We need to talk for just a moment. Okay. The guest always gets the final word. So, Mark, what is the final word for tonight? You know, I was just thinking, I didn't mention at all that my buddy and I, Jim, are we do a podcast as well, and it's called the Imperfect Men's Club Podcast. And I think you would enjoy it, Sean. And I think your audience, based on how you describe them, might get a kick out of it too. We don't really have an agenda, but we have a lot of fun, and usually we can pull some some good advice out of it as well. So maybe uh, I can leave people with that idea. Alrighty, folks, be sure to push your stool in. This has been a Second Front Podcast presentation found on Apple, Spotify, and wherever podcasts can be found.